Welcome to the Seasons of Sobriety podcast. This is a podcast where you can join in the journey of other recovering alcoholics and addicts. You'll be on the road with them as you listen to how each person came into recovery and how they persevered through times of anger, sadness, fear, and joy. I'm your host, Howard M. I'm here to share my own experience as well as the experience of other recovering brothers and sisters. I'm so grateful you've decided to join me today. This episode features Ed M. from Southern New Jersey. Ed has been sober since October 19, 2008. Ed's journey as a former coach and teacher has been a tremendous asset to his recovery. His snippets of wisdom at meetings has earned him the nickname of the bumper sticker guy among his local fellowship. He has been able to maintain a wonderful relationship with his ex-wife and children despite the many layers of alcoholic behavior. His story demonstrates that getting sober late in life has its benefits of the wisdom of life cycles coupled with the working of the 12 steps. Here now is my interview with Ed M. Welcome everyone to the Seasons of Sobriety podcast. I'm here today with Ed M. from Southern New Jersey. Ed came into the program at the age of 62. He is now 75 and has been sober since October 19th, 2008. Ed, I'd like to welcome you to the Seasons of Sobriety podcast. Thank you, Howard. It's great to be here. I would like you to take us back to September of 2008 or around that time and tell us what was happening that led you to start on the recovery journey. Sure. Well, um, thank you for this opportunity. First of all, uh, you know, one of the big things that we, we talk about is, is, is service. And this gives me an opportunity to provide some service. And uh, if I can just uh, preface everything I say, uh, as a former coach, uh, uh, I went to a lot of clinics and one of the things that all of the clinicians would tell us, uh, not everything may apply to you, but if you get one thing out of this and it helps you, then it's been a successful talk. And mm. if anybody does hear that, uh, I have the same philosophy. I am sure that what I say will not apply to everybody. However, if, if I say one thing that helps you or helps you help somebody, it's been a successful time for me. And I, I I'm thankful for this opportunity to be able to do that. But going back to September of uh, 2008, um, my beginning, uh, I got a phone call. I will talk about family uh, quite a bit because that was one of the motivating factors for me. Um, I got a phone call, a uh, conference call, actually, for my daughter. I have two children. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my daughter is uh, 51. My son's 48. Uh, this was uh, about 12, 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the prompting of their mother, my ex, uh, recommended that I go to a uh, rehab. And uh, my main focus at that point, uh, I had been retired for approximately uh, eight years at that point in time. And uh, my focus at that point was just to keep my family on my side. And if that's what I had to do, uh, I was about to do it. I was pretty much a weekend warrior, uh, alcoholically. Uh, I would uh, kind of load up on the weekends and uh, I, I had a very successful life. My bottom is not as low as a lot of people's have been from what I found out in the program. However, it doesn't matter what it is. If it prompts you to get to the next level and get into this program, it, it, it's a benef benefit for you. So I did go to the rehab, which was a very uh, unique experience. It was sold to me as a, uh, a country club rehab in mm -hmm. West Palm Beach, Florida. I'll leave it at that. It was everything but because I was the oldest person there and uh, very difficult for me to understand, accept. Uh, but it opened my eyes to an awful lot of things about myself. Uh, so for that, I'm very thankful that I had the opportunity to uh, 
get caught up this brought up to speed in the AA program. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, 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 it got me involved going to meetings on a regular basis. Again, my main thrust with that time was to keep my kids and my ex happy at that point. And, uh, if I had to go through that for 28 days, I was going to go through that for 28 days. Uh, stopping the addiction of drinking alcohol was the easiest part for me. The problem I deal with continually on a day-to-day -day basis is the mental and, and, and spiritual aspect of sobriety. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody asked me the other day, well, who's alcoholic? I said, everybody's alcoholic. Because alcoholism is spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional. Mm. It's, it, it, it covers a, a multitude of areas in one's life. And even if you're not addicted to a substance, you can be an alcoholic individual. And I think I was at a point in time, I tried many times to stop, but I still had the problem. I, I was not a pleasant person. I, my goal is to get, become a pleasant person on a day-to-day -day basis. Long story short, uh, I came back to the residence that I have now, and uh, it was to be a retirement home for my ex and myself. And uh, I was told uh, at that point in time to find a new life for myself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that, uh, being a stubborn individual as I am, I said, well, if that's what you want me to do, that's what I, I, I will do. And, uh, I found another significant other. Um, and, uh, this was in 2008 and my life, uh, has been beyond my wildest dreams ever since that point in time. Um, when I came back, the suggestion was get to 90 and 90. I easily did 120 and 90. Mm -hmm. I would go to two and three meetings a day. Uh, I was a bit programmed by the rehab that I went to. Mm -hmm. uh, I use that word. Uh, I, I don't like the idea of it, but for me, it was a good thing. It just gave me the opportunity to understand the need that I had to do something on a continuous, regular basis, a positive thing. Uh, I continued to go even after 12 years of sobriety, continuous sobriety. I still go to at least three or four meetings per week. And it's not all the same meeting. I go to several different meetings because I have discovered that I can continue to learn about this disease, this program, and how to be a better person by listening to other people. Um, uh, you know, we've heard the expression many times, well, they've got it. They've got it. Sobriety is not a destination. It is a journey. Hmm. And uh, sometimes the, uh, the journey is the destination as you go day to day through these different kinds of things. That was the great benefit for me to going to that rehab. Uh, at that point, I was totally estranged from my children and my ex, as you could imagine. And uh, my goal, my thrust was to become a better person, to get them back into my life to be a better person if I could in some way, shape or form. And, uh, at this point in time, I can say that I have a better relationship with my children, a better relationship with my ex than I had when we were married, uh, which is kind of a frightening, scary thing. But, uh, family is a very important thing to me. And, uh, I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to go through this rehab to get that two by four smack upside the head, which I guess I needed to realize that I needed to change who I was. And the, it, it's all about change. Um, more than anything, uh, we have to change who we are or what we were doing uh, and eliminate the uh, definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I guess I did that. 
uh, now, as I say, my life is better than it's ever been. And uh, um, my friendships uh, extend deeply into the AA program. Um, I'm very much in, in tune and in touch with uh, people. In fact, I just got off the golf course with my sponsor. Uh, he, he's been, besides being a very good mentor for me in this program, uh, he has also been a very good uh, golf coach, if mm. you will. And uh, I mean, I kind of hit the jackpot on that one to find somebody. And I did not know he was a golfer when I found him. If I can just uh, digress a little bit about uh, coming back from the rehab as I said, I went to about 120 meetings in 90 days. Mm -hmm. uh, being a former athlete and somebody involved in athletics, uh, my idea was the only way you get better at anything is to practice. And practice for me was going to AA meetings at that point in time. And uh, most of the meetings that I went to, this gentleman who was my sponsor was there. And uh, he didn't talk very much. Yet when he did, everybody listened. And... Uh, it made sense to me that this is the kind of individual I would want to have steer my sobriety path. And, uh, the thing that makes him a special sponsor is that he doesn't talk about how he does things. He just does the things. His actions speak so much louder than his words. Uh, an old expression that I use is, uh, what you do is so loud. I can't hear what you say. And, uh, he doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk. And it set a perfect example for me. And, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of people talk about having a, a, a temporary sponsor or a couple sponsors. This gentleman has been my guy since day one. And uh, we've connected and we're, we're very close friends at this point. Um, I couldn't have written a better script for somebody to find a sponsor and, and, and be, be successful with that individual than I have with the, the, this, this person who is, uh, who is my sponsor right now. So... That's happened in September of 2008, um, and I've been going to meetings ever since. It was definitely a transitional point in my life. Uh, I did lose a marriage that I had for a long period of time, but I'm at a different place in my life, and life has to go on. And uh, I have a good relationship with my family, with my kids, with my ex-wife, and uh, don't want to burn any bridges behind me. Um, you know, we find the same, meet the same people on the way down the ladder as we do on the way up. And, uh, I wanted to make sure that I kept, kept everybody on my side. So following the role of my sponsor and the direction that he gave me, it's not what I say that makes anything because I can't talk anybody into or out of anything. I have to kind of show them. And my life, as I said, has been, been beyond my wildest dreams since I've, uh, since I've come back from the rehab and, and been in the same location here for, well, now almost 13 years. Mm -hmm. okay. You had mentioned that when you came in, you weren't a very nice person. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about who, who was Ed when he came in? And, and uh, yeah, I'd like to you know tease this out so we can talk about the changes. You know, Sure. And Because and, and, it's important that uh, we talk about our evolution as we grow up in, in recovery. So That's a great topic. Very succinctly put, I was, well, as a teacher of mathematics and, and a coach, uh, I felt I could control everything and that I was the be all and the end all. Uh, I wasn't much, but I was all I thought about most of the time. And uh, trying to be the director is not the best place to be. 
many times you can get uh, be a lot more successful by just being somebody that fits into the situation. And I think as time has passed, I mean, that was a realization that came to me at the rehab. Uh, I think that kind of hit me uh, clearly between the eyes that I, I needed to change that uh, and start being more selfless rather than selfish. Um, and I advocate that now to the, to the nth degree. How can I make the situation better either for me or for the person that I'm dealing with in what way, shape or form? How can I facilitate what it is that you're doing? How can I be a mentor to you? Uh, what can I do to make the circumstances better? Um, it was just a tendency that I had, uh, not something that I'm very proud of, but, uh, and it's something that requires continuous work. I mean, I think, uh, I've, I've talked about this a lot too. Um, I think, uh, there's a lizard part of our brain from what I've read. And sometimes we succumb to that quite easily. Our first instincts tend to go in that direction. Uh, we're ready to, to battle, to uh, feel the worst in most circumstances rather than thinking things through, pausing and just contemplating what would be a better way to approach things instead of reacting, just kind of putting yourself in a position of understanding what the other person's motivations are and doing what you think can facilitate the mm -hmm. circumstance. Um, you know, I, at my age, it, it's, it's, you tend to get a little bit mellower as time passes. I think that's helped me a great deal too. Um, but AA has certainly been the catalyst for the change for me. Um, I wish more than anything that I had, uh, committed to the program as I have over the past 12 years at an earlier time in my life. Uh, as I indicated, I was 62 when I got started and, uh, the thing I tell everybody is uh, a lot of people talk about, well, I'm lucky I will be sober longer than I will have uh, been involved with alcohol. I'll be a medical miracle if I can do that because I started <laughs> at 62 and <laughs> I was I was probably involved in, with alcohol from the time I was 14. So that's at 62 minus 14, quick math, it's 48 some years. I don't think I have another 48 years mm. left in front of me, but if I do, it'll be a medical miracle. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I'm taking it one day at a time. And, uh, if I can make each day a little bit better than the one before it, I'm moving in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. You were saying, you know, as a coach and as a teacher, the, the tendency to kind of bask in that I'm in charge, you know, I'm, you know, you have to answer to me kind of thing. I mean, did you find yourself being kind of the coach, kind of coach or teacher who yelled a lot or, you know, just was, was terse or, or, I mean, maybe give us a couple examples of what, what, what that looked like? Well, again, I grew in that area. I, I, I did not expect to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. I had uh, aspirations athletically in, in professional athletics, and I was involved with professional athletics till I had an injury, which ended my athletic career. And I went into uh, uh, teaching and coaching just to stay involved with young people in athletics. And um, as I did that, um, I grew with the situation. I know at the outset, I was, I was a horrible teacher. I was a horrible coach because that lizard brain came to the forefront. You know, there is no other way to do it, but my way. And if mm. you don't do it this way, there's the highway. Mm. And, uh, 
that just doesn't work in this world under any circumstances, especially when you're working with people you're trying to direct or have get to a particular situation, uh, accomplish a goal, whatever that happens to be, whether it's getting something right with a quadratic equation or running a play correctly, you have to know how to approach yourself. My lizard brain took over a little bit too much in me when mm -hmm. I was younger. Yeah. And, you know, not to blame anybody, I've made peace with both my parents. I used to blame them for all my alcoholic problems. My mother was uh, an alcoholic and, uh, I understand her situation a whole lot better right now than sure. I did when I was growing up. I've made peace with her. That's a whole, that's a whole nother podcast, Howard. I won't go into that right now, but, uh, my father was a, uh, a very staunch, hard nosed individual. And that, uh, got passed on to me. You know, sometimes your parents give you negative examples, things that you should not do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I did gain from that situation. I love both my parents. They did the best they could with what they had. But uh, that, I think, molded me to some degree to be that kind of a, of a coach, that kind of a teacher. Mm -hmm. But as time has passed, you realize you can't yell at every kid. Uh, sometimes you have to be a little bit more positive with them to bring them along to the level that you want them to, to, to achieve or to attain. Yeah. So, uh, it, it, again, it's about change and a growth process. And uh, if I haven't learned anything more in this program, it's about being able to change it. Uh, uh, I guess I have to tell you that my nickname is uh, the bumper sticker guy because uh, I'm not the sharpest tack in the box, but little bumper stickers, or as I call them, snippets of wisdom, if you'll pardon mm -hmm. my, my explanation of it, they help me understand and retain things a whole lot more quickly. And one of the things in this program, as far as change is concerned, uh, I have come to realize if I am a boat on the ocean, a sailboat, I can't change the tides. I can't change the wind, but I can adjust my sails and I can adjust my rudder. Hmm. And when I do that, it, it just works a whole lot better. Uh, I, as, as I said, I wish I had done this, uh, 30 years ago sure. and I'm not a first time winner. I was, uh, in the program as my sponsor says, it was a scratch and sniff. I tried it out and I didn't do any of the steps. I didn't work at it. Uh, I, again, thinking that I knew everything that there was to know, read the big book, read the steps, read more of the readings. I understand that. What's the problem? I have no problem, but I continued to drink, which, uh, just exacerbated my lizard brain. Yeah. So well, it's like you, I'm uh, moving in the right direction. It's like you read the playbook, but didn't run any of the plays yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You can get out on the field and say, oh, okay, this, this play is not quite what it's described into the book. You, you really have to live some things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, uh, cause I, I, I too am a, a teacher, uh, in high school. And one of the things that, and you know, I, this is not mine, but I, I heard it more from like a business leadership, uh, ideas is that, you know, um, people don't uh, care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, well said. you know, I, I've, I've been in, you know, that's my, one of my bumper stickers, I guess, you know, in school where, um, you know, I know more about science than the kids do right now. I know more about, um, I teach personal finance. I know more about that than they do, but that's, of, co of course I do. I, I, I'm the guy in the front of the room. I should know more. <laughs> so, so what else you got for me, you know, teach, right. you know, I, I'm not interested that you know more. I'm interested, you know, that in a connection and, and sometimes, you know, kids or, or adults 
don't know that they're not connected until things, well, until they become more and more alone. Like you said, you know, the lizard brain, you know, my way or the highway, you know, you said, no, it doesn't really work. Well, it works if you want to be alone, if you don't want to have relationships, if you want to stay guarded and, and not be connected to people, it works fantastic. Uh, the problem is if you don't like being lonely, you might want to give up the my, my way or highway. Well, I think our higher power, mine is God, intended for us to interact with other people. Yes, absolutely. Uh, in fact, um, I have read where it says that the closest we will come to that higher power, as I call it, God, is until we go on to another level, is to interact with the people that we have here on earth. Because mm -hmm. God made people in his image. Why not make it the best experience it can possibly be? I'm, I'm sad it took me 62 years to understand, realize, and accept that. Uh, you know, there's still bumps in the road that we all go through, but um, it, uh, it just makes so much more sense. Uh, one of the things I tell everybody is uh, a good day for me is when I make somebody smile. Sure. Uh, and, 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 I, and I'm talking about not just people I know, not my significant other, not somebody at a meeting. I'm talking about the checkout lady at the uh, shop, right? I'm talking about uh, the greatest microcosm of opportunities to test your skills in this program is when you're in your vehicle and when you're <laughs> in your vehicle and you can just ignore somebody flipping you the bird, you're doing a really good thing at this point and not be the person that gets to a location before they do. So it, it, uh, yeah, we, and we live in New Jersey, so that happens a little more often than perhaps <laughs> other places. I don't know. <laughs> well, I've been fortunate enough to travel up and down the East Coast, and I think every state has a, a claim to yes, that. But, I'm sure. Uh, most of my years being in New Jersey, I would have to agree with you. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, I think it's a, a good place to maybe talk a little bit about your relationship with, with God, with your higher power, maybe where it started, before, you know, kind of early on, sure. and then kind of where, where it is today, where how it's grown. I was brought up uh, as a Lutheran, mm -hmm. and uh, I went to Sunday school and went to confirmation class. And uh, the unfortunate part was my parents never really attended church or set a positive example for me in that area. So I was religious, and uh, without going into a lot of tenets about different kinds of religions, um, I always believed in God, a higher power. Uh, my perception was a little bit different, I think, than some people, because uh, I did experience another religion. Uh, I practiced my religion uh, not as rigorously as I could have or should have. Uh, my ex-wife was a Roman Catholic. She was a much more devout Catholic than mm -hmm. I was a Lutheran. Therefore, we raised our kids as, as Catholics. Roman Catholic, yeah. And I attended uh, Catholic mass for 32 years. Uh, I never converted, but to me, I was doing the right thing by showing my kids and setting a positive example for them that this is what we do on Sunday. We go to church, we put our money in the basket and we, we, we pray, we do all the things that we're supposed to do. And uh, I don't think I ever really got away from that religious aspect. Um, and it's really not talked about a great deal at the rehab, but coming into AA, <laughs> I find out that 
there's a whole nother aspect about us that we need to understand. As I said earlier, uh, sobriety is physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. The spiritual side is this thing that I, AA has, has made me understand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about being at peace with your higher power, whomever that is for you, uh, believing that there is a higher power and having faith in that higher power. And, uh, that has made a connection for me. I guess the snippet of wisdom is, uh, God brought me to AA and AA has brought me to God. I guess I'm a perfect example of that. I still continue, uh, to go to church on a regular basis, Lutheran church, uh, where I reside and, uh, practice all the tenets that are involved with the religion. I think that's an aspect of my spirituality, but spirituality and religion are two different things. There is a lot of spirituality and religion, but there is not necessarily religion and spirituality, which is what I get from the AA program at least three days a week and having the opportunity to listen to other people share their experience, strength and hope and tell me about how they experience those kinds of things. So I, I don't know whether I've come full cycle or not, Mm -hmm. but uh, my perception of what religion is has certainly changed uh, I believe I have a relationship with God and, uh, he's my buddy. I talk to him. I, I have three very simple prayers that I use each and every day. Forgive me, God. Thank you, God. And help me, God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the <laughs> a day doesn't go by where I don't use one or all three <laughs> sometime or other. So, yeah. uh, my, my, my concept of religion has, has changed significantly over the years. I was forced to be religious by my parents said, you have to go to church. You have to go to Sunday school. I did all that stuff, but needless to say, as a adolescent, I said, geez, they're not going. Why should I have to bother sure. going? Sure. And, uh, then I went through the aspect of Catholicism, which is just too many rules for me. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but I, I attended, I did what I had to do. And, uh, it's funny now because, uh, both my kids, are, I won't say they're not religious. They, they, they followed all the tenets that they do to get their kids baptized and uh, confirmed, et cetera, but they don't go to church. So I, I don't know what the right answer is. Um, all those examples that we said, you know, I guess got dumped by the wayside. It, a lot of us get to the point where we get to those foxhole prayers. All of a sudden, sure. God is the most important thing in the world now because we got to get bailed out of something. Mm-hmm. And, I'm uh, in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we get out of that trouble and we forget about the fact that somebody did bail us out of that, that situation. And uh, so it's, uh, but some in substance, my, my perspective on, which is what we were taught in the program, a higher power, higher power for me is, is God. And uh, uh, he wants us all to be happy. He wants us to be, and he wants us to treat others as we would treat ourselves. Uh, it, it, uh, the young lady who was my significant other at this point, uh, is quite involved religiously and she has done a lot of studying about religions, which I have perused, looked into, and there's a common denominator there. It's very simple. Worship that God above all other things. And it doesn't matter whether it's Buddhism, uh, uh, Catholicism, uh, Lutheranism, it, it's, it's all the same stuff. It all says Worship that God with all your heart and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's the precepts of this program. I mean, it's to find a higher power, believe in it, trust it, and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So, 
that's that's where I am religiously at this point in time, if that makes any sense. Sure. Yeah. I mean, when you talked about the difference between religion and spirituality and, you know, over the over the years for myself, I've kind of put it into this idea that, you know, religion is, you know, people perhaps going through rituals or, or other things to prove to God how good they are. And spirituality is people going through rituals and, and other habits to to let God prove how good God is to, to, to them, <laughs> you know? So, because uh, well that, that's been my, my kind of transformation from religion to spirituality is that, you know, I, I never knew that I was um, valued, you know, right. and especially sure. by, by God. I, I just, mm-hmm. there were so many things I didn't like about myself. It's like, well, there's no way God could, could care about me. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's, again, like you said, through the growth and development of that relationship. And actually, I would say something significant is when I, when I became a father, you know, I understood that idea of heavenly father, you know, because cause my son might do something dumb, right? Right. I still love him. Doesn't, you know, and, and, and again, it's not horrific. It's just, ah, you know, why did you do that? Why did you just ask me? Or why, why did you lie? Why did you? And it's like, yeah, why? You know, I, I I still love you. Of course, I love you, but right. I don't like your behavior sometimes. So let's try to fix your behavior, then worry about how much I love you or don't love you. And and that's again where where I connect differently with 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 God as well. Absolutely, that's I'm I'm writing that down right now. You just said that's another good uh, bumper sticker for me. Yeah, yeah we're, we're probably going to come up with a bunch of those. I think during this podcast. <laughs> um. All right. So. Let's let's focus a little more now back into uh, step work in the sense of um, you know your religious path or spiritual path was you know developed as a child and and I think continued on. It doesn't sound like you were you know rejecting that idea. You know, so so third step, you turn things over, and now you're into your first fourth step. And uh, can you tell us a little bit what that looked like? Because some of the things you learned about yourself in that process. I wasn't. <laughs> I think, you know, the more you're involved in the program, the more you understand and the more you realize I wasn't really ready to do the fourth step when I did it. Uh, I did it very early on and uh, I went through the fourth and the fifth. But the more I've been in the program, the more I realize now um, how significant it is because I'm finding out more about myself each and every day. Some things that I like, some things not so much. Mm-hmm. And uh I need to revisit that. And I'm fortunate in my area, we do have a fourth and a fifth step workshop um, given annually, and usually in the fourth and the fifth month, usually in, in April. And uh, it's an opportunity just, uh, it's designed pretty much for beginners because that is a real stumbling block for a lot of people to have to write down all of your faults and all of the things that you think are wrong with you and then make a list of the people, all, all of whom you've hurt. And a lot of people say, wait, let me see if I got this right. I'm going to get sober, but I got to make a list of all the people that ticked me off. That just doesn't make sense. No, it, doesn't. It, it, it takes a while to get it. It takes a while to understand you're not really doing it so much for them as you're doing it for yourself. You're cleaning your side of the street. You're putting yourself in a situation that, uh, uh, you're doing a, a godlike activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all about forgiveness. And uh, if you can't forgive yourself, you really can't forgive somebody else. But you've got to be able to forgive somebody else in order to forgive yourself as well. 
it's 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 a it's a it's a cycle it really mm-hmm, sure. is so uh, one of my goals has been and i've kind of dragged my feet on it because i've had opportunities uh uh next april is to uh to revisit the uh the fourth and the fifth step because you know, each and every day I find out more about myself and I, I take a look back and I see, gee, I really wish I didn't do that or I wish I hadn't done that, which is the same thing. You know, this is the eighth month and uh, we're talking about amends and uh, I talk about it all the time. And if I can just give one anecdote, uh, which ties the idea of a higher power together with the idea of the program. Uh, I've made a lot of amends to a lot of people because that lizard brain (laughs) offended a lot of people when I was younger. And um, it was a very difficult thing for me to do, but I know that it was the right thing to do in the program. One of the groups of people whom I had neglected uh, were a group of assistant coaches who worked with me. Assistant coaches is just like a big family. I was so concerned intent on uh, making things right with my physical family, whom I thought I was losing touch with. I just kind of overlooked the fact that I had not stayed in touch with a lot of those guys. I got a phone call last week, as a matter of fact, from one of the assistant coaches who said, I just want to let you know, Ed, that so-and-so, one of the assistant coaches, wife passed away. And uh, I think you should be aware of that. And if I wasn't in the program for the last 12 years, it wouldn't have been like a lightning bolt that it was. And I said, what an idiot. You, where have you been all these years? You, you need to call these guys. Mm-hmm. Well, again, the program came through. I called the coach and uh, I stressed about it. I had to leave a message, didn't pick up. But I was really rightfully so concerned about what I had not done. Uh, I went to a meeting the next day, one of the meetings I attend is a men's meeting. And uh, I said, gentlemen, uh, somebody was talking about let, not letting things go undone. And uh, if you have an opportunity to do it, do it now, because if you don't do it, you may not get an opportunity to. I said, that's a perfect segue for me to share. And I said, gentlemen, I have to tell each and every one of you, I screwed up. I said, uh, I, here is the eighth month we're talking about making amends, and I failed to make an amends to a very important person in my life. And uh, I, I, I t- told them the story, as I just uh, uh, indicated to you. And uh, I prayed on it as much as I could. And uh, I got out of the meeting, I got in my car, and there was a text from this coach who had heard the message that I sent and said, don't sweat it. We love you. Let us know when you're available. We can all get together again. Mm-hmm. So you talk about, I mean, I'm not one given into miracles and things, but uh, that to me was just like, uh, one of the things in this program is things happen to you that you can't account for. That's mm-hmm. what makes me believe in a higher power. Uh, I don't think there's anybody that I've talked to in any meaning that hasn't gone through a circumstance where they went through a situation and they, they prayed on it and uh, something occurred that they didn't expect, and it worked out exactly the way that it should. This was a perfect example of this, and here I am 12 years in the program, and my higher power is still listening to the prayers that I'm giving, so Mm -hmm. that's a pretty good indicator. One of the things that I heard, again, another bumper sticker, if you will, and it really strengthened my concept of spirituality. God answers prayers in three ways, yes, 
not right now, or I got a better idea. My job is to wait for the better idea. Patience is not one of my strengths, but it's something that I have to work on on a constant basis. Keep your mouth shut, wait, listen, present the problem, ask for help, and wait for something to occur the way that it's supposed to occur. In the meantime, just keep doing the next right thing. Uh, the next right thing for me to do was to pull, pull that coach. I did it. I shared about it and walk out of the meeting. And no sooner did I get my car, look at my phone, I see this guy's texting me. Since something's going on here and I have no control. So I've, I've come, made a complete 180 mm-hmm. <laughs> from that lizard brain. At least I'm keeping it, I'm managing it. Yep. It's That's never it. going to go away, but no. I've got some reins on it at this point. So it would seem. Yeah. Uh, you said something initially when you started talking about the uh, fourth step is that I didn't think I was ready. And uh, I, I can't, I've heard that countless times. And mm-hmm. what makes you think that you weren't ready? I think you have to grasp all the concepts of the program uh, to really understand how all of the, 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 the 12 steps fit together. I was owning up is what I had to do. And I, I, I was not ready to understand that that's what I had to do. I have to admit that I was wrong. And for a lot of people getting past that lizard brain that tells you, uh, somebody told me the whole story. You got Mr. Rogers on this shoulder and Rambo over here. And we tend to listen to Rambo all the time. And in the meantime, we should be listening to Mr. Rogers. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't think I was well enough versed in the program to take that, uh, to take that leap. Okay. Um, that, that's me personally. Somebody else might be there a little bit quicker than me. Uh, as I said, my sponsor doesn't talk a whole lot. He just shows me a lot of things and we didn't really talk a great deal about it. He says, it's time for you to do your fourth and fifth step. Boom. And it was, yeah. 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 It sometimes it's, uh, you know, we need, we need the little nudge or push. Cause I, I've heard many people, you know, that I sponsor over the years say, oh, I, I don't think I'm ready. I said, oh, well, I think I know what the problem is. I think you think this is the last inventory you're ever going to do, and it's actually the first inventory you're going to do. Very so, good point. you know, this will not end up in the Smithsonian of, of, of four steps, <laughs> uh, and, and you'll probably have to do it again. And they're like... But I thought you only do it once. It's, mm, it says, you know, a business that takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Uh, I can guarantee you uh, Apple doesn't take inventory once and then just move along. You know, we could. it's obvious from all the products and things that they have that they've taken stock and said, this works, this doesn't, over and over and over again. And, and, and we have to do the same as our, as our lives, you know, evolve. And uh, so, so that kind of helps nudge the people that, that, that I work with to say, this is the first one, not the last one. <laughs> well, the transitional problem part of it is, you know, you've never done anything like that before. Right, right. You know, all, the things are in the back of our mind that we have offended other people, but our pride, ego, and fear get in the way and tell us, well, that person deserved the way you treated them. We yeah. have to get beyond that. And, and for me, it took me a while to get to the point where I realized, hey, Ed, in fact, where's, oh, I don't know if you can see this. But the gentleman in the program gave me this to put up, and I have them all over my house. He's putting on the screen. I'm saying, you are looking at the problem. <laughs> you put I that have, in the mirror? I have them on every mirror in my house. <laughs> That's great. I, well, as I said, I'm not the sharpest tool in the box, so I need constant reminders. Sure. And I, <laughs> well, it sits right here at my desk. So well, I, 
need to be reminded of that constantly. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you, you, we had to reschedule this. We had to push this an hour, and you were kind enough to to accommodate me because my son is starting to look at apartments. And fantastic. Yeah, and and you know he's uh, he's looking forward to it, and he's ready. And and I was looking forward to going with him. And as we were doing this, I am getting very, very sad. You know, sure. and not realizing mm-hmm. I'm being taken over by my emotions here. That. Oh my gosh, he's because he he's talking to the landlord over in the corner, and me and my wife are kind of listening. And all we're hearing is like, "Yeah, next week is good. I can move in next week." And, and we look at each other like, "Next week? Oh my god!" And and so you know, I'm sitting here, you know, as you're saying, you know, with the you know the the evolution and the changes um, that like I I literally I almost canceled today because I was like, oh, I, I can't do. That. I'm, I'm I'm upset. I really am upset. Understood. And, and again, like, sure. well, but I should handle this. I should know what to do. I, why? I've actually never been through this before. Why would I know how to do this? Right? <laughs> exactly. So the four steps, same thing. Like, well, why, why am I so scared? Like, you've never done it. It's, you know, and, and so, you know, the, the thing, is he going to be okay? Are we going to be okay? Well, we, we, I, I have developed a very good relationship with this, uh, you know, you know, he's 25. I'll say young man. Wow. And, and, and. That's a young man. Yeah. <laughs> and. It's so good that when he's, I'm, I'm not like get out. I'm like, oh wow, you're leaving. Oof. Yeah. You know, I, I, I understand. I wasn't ready for him to say, I think I'm gonna move next week, and it's just, and it's good for him. I, I, I would really hold him back, you right. know, emotionally by by continuing to, to let him live here, uh, and and of course his mother, you know, she's she's probably way more upset than I am. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, that's understandable. But you know, we and we all go through it. If you have kids and you start growing up, and you know, it's a, it's time to, you know, I mean, did you know that eagles actually put barbs in their nest as the as the babies get older? And and, wow. and so when they come back to the nest, the babies like make it uncomfortable, and they have to go. <laughs> I never knew that, and, and I was like, got it. So, well, you were going to say something? Sorry. Uh, no, I was just. Uh, just to validate your point, I mean, <clears throat> everything that we learn in this program is wonderful. And I hear a plethora of stories from people with all the meetings that I attend and how uh, upset and chagrined parents can become <laughs> because of somebody in their in their family, son, daughter, uh, sister, brother-in-law, whatever, just can't get it. And as much as we want to apply these things and do all these things, it's a very difficult thing to do because there's another word in there that's involved, which is called emotion. Yeah. And that kind of, it, you know, it, that gets inside our head and it does manipulate all of the things that we think, which we know are right and logical. As I say, acceptance is, is, is tough, but we don't have to like it, no. but it, it's the right thing to do sometimes. And I, I can uh, understand your situation when the, the nest starts getting empty like mm-hmm. that. It's yeah. uh but it, it, it will be better for everybody from, from my experience. Uh, and it's, it's the natural order of things. So, uh, and you're helping and facilitating things for him, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. He's a lucky kid to have a dad that's doing that. Well, thanks. <laughs> I, I've tried to, tried to help him, uh, grow into that adulthood yeah, of a, of a 25 year old, uh, not 45. He's not ready for that. You know, he's just, yeah. he, but he's, you know, he's asking the right questions about you know where to live and stuff. And, and we're, we're here to help. And, right. uh, you know, I just never, never really thought I'd, I'd be in this position and, you know, and here I am, 
And well, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm doing it with dignity and grace, uh, like everything else they ask me to do around here, you know? That's the best way to approach it. And you, you, you're setting the right example by doing the next right thing, which is it may be uncomfortable for you, but you know it's the right thing to do. And in the end, it'll all work out better for everybody. And it's, it's a fine line between, you know, we all want to make it as easy for the transition for our young ones to get into adulthood. Right. Of course, <laughs> You know, we've been there, we've done that, we've we've been around the block a few times, and we know all the things that you should and shouldn't do, but we can't tell the kids that. We just have to kind of pray that they see it mm-hmm. as they move into it, and it's a fine line between shoving them out of the nest and easing them out of the nest, Correct. I guess. But I, I love your analogy with the eagles. That's that's very interesting. Yeah. I may have to pass that along to my kids at some point. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, you know, as we're having this conversation, I'm reminded of a guy, you know, years ago, uh, and I didn't necessarily understand what he was saying, uh, but he put his hand on my shoulder, you know, like and he says, Howard, God doesn't have grandchildren, man. <laughs> you know, we're all his kids. That's right. Sorry. You know, he, you're, you're not in charge of his life either. You're just there to help. You're just a channel. So great point. Anyway. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's again, new, new part right. of my journey. You know, you, and again, I don't want to go off on the side. Did you have any success hunting for apartments? Yes. Uh, the, the place he found uh, was uh, what he w- what we were nervous is, is that it was going to be a bunch of like 25 year old. It was a house chopped up into you know, bedrooms and whatever. Sure. Uh, it turns out that the owner, he's about 55 and he's divorced and he is only interested in having people in their 20s in the home as a, uh-huh. as a culture of just younger people. He, he said he made a comment. He says, he says, if someone comes here and they're 55 looking for a room, I think there's something wrong with that. You're 55, you should, you should have your own place. <laughs> I, I, mm, just, it's just weird, you know. Anyway, so yeah, so it's it's he's going to move out this weekend, I think. And um, it's not on the same street that you live on, is it? No, we're, we're in um, Hillsborough, Somerset okay. County. He's going to Scotch Plains. So it's about that, 40 I, That 45. was a joke. I said yeah. if it's in the backyard, that's not, oh, right, probably right. not a good idea. Right, well... <laughs> Well, one of the barbs that we put in here is we we take forty uh, percent of his in, of his income. Well, you know, you know, if I had it to do over again, they're all what you have said are all things that I would have contemplated doing. Yeah, because he. About them now, I, w- I wish I had. Well, people are like, "Oh my God, forty percent! That's tremendous!" I said, "Well, I use a hundred percent, so I think forty is <laughs> a pretty good deal." So that was a negotiable thing. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's good for him. He'll learn to live on yeah. less and I'm sure right. the money's going to go someplace right. where it'll do I good mean, things. I mean, you both know that, uh, no one's planning for you. Sorry. No, no. Well, it's needs and wants. We realize it. That, and that's one of the things the program has taught me, you know, my, my, my wants far exceeded my needs. Yes. Now I realize I, I don't need all the stuff that I thought I right. needed. And, uh, uh it, 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 you learn and that that's a, a great teaching method a good vehicle to have him understand that and there's going to be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for him on that situation so that's that's fantastic yeah thank you really good so let's move back into you were, you were talking a little bit about amends and some of the things you know especially that that coach i i i uh one of the things that i want to ask you is is I heard someone talk about one of the great amends that we can make to somebody is to say thank you. There's a lot of people out there who really helped me or were trying to help me, and I rejected it. And so I have gone back to many of them and said thank you. 
thank you know thank you for being patient and understanding while mm-hmm. I was you know growing through things and I, I wanted to know or I want to ask is there people out there either that you've done that with or or think about doing that I will be very honest with you you kind of caught me because I, I've never heard that but it certainly is a viable method uh, of making an amends because mm-hmm. we, again, on our way up the ladder, we don't realize all the people that are helping us. Mm. Uh, that lizard brain tells us we're entitled to this and it should be ours and it's okay. So we, we're, we, we, we forget about and eliminate the need to say thank you for those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like to say that I'm perfect in doing that, but, uh, I guess if nothing else, my parents did instill me, instill in me the uh, idea to be polite about those kinds of things sure. and be thankful for the kinds of things that I get. But as far as so with regard to amends, that, that, that's a great uh, concept. And it's so simple, mm-hmm. but it certainly is. If, if, you know, I think back to all the people that have helped me in my life and I know I haven't said uh, thank you to all of them. Uh, I did have an opportunity <laughs> now that you mention it, uh, uh, a group of people from my high school, uh, uh, have a golf outing and mm-hmm. they're all former coaches and athletes from this high school. And we do it, uh, we did it the last weekend in, in July, actually. And one of the even individuals that attends is my old, he was a high school science teacher mm-hmm. and a football coach. And he just lost his wife about, uh, two or three months ago. And he was very close with his wife. And, uh, I guess the program is working in me. I went out of my way. I, I played golf, but I could not stay for the dinner, but I made sure I went to the dinner to see him because mm-hmm. I knew he would be there. And I, I sat and talked to him for about a half an hour and uh, just to tell him how much I appreciated the positive example he set for me uh, as a teacher and as a coach. Uh, he also became an athletic director and mm-hmm. what a positive, positive effect he had on my life. So uh, that's something I owe to the program. But from a very simple standpoint, as far as making amends, I mean, they're the kinds of things that I think about doing now, which I don't think I really ever would have contemplated uh, 13, 14 years ago. Sure. And uh, it, the best part about, you know, I talk about my life being better than I ever could have expected it to be. Um, the wonderful positive feeling you have when you do those kinds of things, because you know it's the right thing. I mean, to me, this program is a crystallization of everything that I have heard from parents, teachers, coaches, clergy, uh, friends, positive things, reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, They're all positive things, living the kind of life that you need to live. And the program gives us a format for living the best life that we can. It's a toolbox of things that we can use in every circumstance if we understand and, and, and have a handle on what, what, what it is telling us. And uh, to me, I, I can't speak more highly of the program. And uh, if, if I were to give advice to anybody, I don't want to get ahead of you, but uh, don't wait. If, if, every great. opportunity, as I say, I go to three or four different meetings and, uh, see a lot of the same people, uh, which is okay. Uh, different times of the year, we do get an influx of different people. It's great to hear other aspects of sobriety and so on. But um, just to hear those kinds of things and the positive uh, uh, 
feedback that you get from these these people and the benefits that they get from everything it, it, it it's it's incredible yeah, but I mean, you, you got but you got to be in it to win it. You got to keep staying yeah. with it and, and keep moving north, man. Yeah, I mean, when when I see someone kind of right on that cusp of like, uh, I, I know I need to make amends. I'm not sure how, how, and I don't know if I have time or where they are. I, I said, take some time and find out because the reward on the other side, when when you get clean of all that yes. of that that behavior that you did or or whatever what you said, and and you kind of you kind of see the see them face to face and get their their take on it or get their side of it or and it's like wow I, I've been holding this around needlessly for so yes. long and right. uh, you know you, look I'm 54 you're 75 I'm, I'm I'm your rearview mirror looks different than my rearview mirror you know and and this is why I I personally enjoy talking to people who are in a in a I'll say near next generation say hey what would you tell 54 year old you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm sure there's a lot of things, you know, again, another podcast we could have is, uh, you know, just, just cause you know, when, when you got here at 62, you didn't know nothing. You may, you may have known nothing about spirituality, alcoholism, all that, but you certainly, exactly right. you, you lived a life where you learned some things that, you, that you'd like to repeat and continue doing things that no, I'm, I'm throwing these away. This, this stuff didn't cause prosperity in my life at all. And, and that's, what's really nice. I think about, age and wisdom is you, 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 while you have regrets for yourself, you aren't keeping them to yourself. You're saying, listen, I would, I, if, if I'm telling you is, is if I, if I was 54 again, I, this is what I do again. And, and I think that's great that you freely give that, that wisdom and knowledge you've learned, not just in AA, but just as a, as, as a man who has lived, you know, uh, several seasons, you know, you're kind of, kind of at third base, I like to say. You know, <laughs> right? Because you, you get what I'm saying, right? You're, you're not quite yes. a home plate, you, but you've you've hit a triple. You know, you're you're there, and and uh, so you're you got you got a lot of things to tell some people, and um, okay. you know, and and I love the kind of the the way that you're you've evolved, where it's like n- not I'd like to not I gotta tell you, like I'd like to tell you. Right. You know, saying or, or a little bit like our our tradition of says, you know, attraction rather than promotion. And it's like I, I'm not going out and telling everybody every little thing you got to change. No, no I'll, I'll wait till they come to me. I'll, you know, and and that's that's a that's a a great attitude. And and as I as I talk to you and see you through the screen, just just you you emanate that that even though you say you work Thank on you. patience, I, it, it it's there. Maybe not as much as you want, but I I feel it, man. I feel it. It's great. Go ahead. You want to say something? Growing. Well, I was just going to, to validate your point or to emphasize it. Uh, one of the icebreakers that I use, I, uh, I was talking about family when I came back after I had gotten a divorce, I had lost an income and I had a huge mortgage on mm-hmm. the residence that I was in, which I refinanced. And I learned a lot about that as I did it. Yeah. But one of the things I did was I went out, and I, what do I know how to do? You know, and again, the program helped me with this. Let's think it through, Ed. You can teach and you can coach. Well, why don't I substitute teach? And one of the things that I've learned that helps me to break the ice with the kids, because, you know, substitutes coming in, oh boy, holy cow, especially when it's an old guy like me, you know, I figure, oh, we got to listen to this guy. One of the simple things that I tell them is, look, I'm not here to tell you how to do anything, or especially if I'm in a Spanish class when math is my background, I (laughs) I can't teach you anything. I said, but I have made a lot of mistakes in my life, and I will freely admit to them if you ask me about them. I said, I'm just here to help you 
focus on not making the same mistakes that I made. And if I can do that for you, we're going to be in great shape. I yeah. said, that's totally within the framework of what we're doing in this classroom. I said, if you want to talk to me after class about something else, we'll politely talk about that. But it's amazing how that kind of like the little bit of air goes out of the room. I said, Oh, okay. Well, this guy's not really out here to, you know, point his finger at us. Right. He's here to help us. And it, it, again, if I wasn't in this program, I never would have thought to say that in that circumstance. Sure. And uh, it, it's been a, a, a real success. I, I love being with kids. I love being with them. And they need somebody to give them the wisdom if they're willing to, to accept and listen to it. And yeah. there are a lot of kids out there that are. You just have to give them an opportunity. And I always relish that opportunity until the pandemic came along. I've been substituting a whole lot yeah. the last couple of years. But uh it's just uh, a great icebreaker in the classroom when uh, uh, you come in and they got some old dude in the front of the classroom that they're not used to seeing. So you got to smooth it over before you get started. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, uh, I write letters of recommendation, right? And okay. so uh, I usually, towards the end of the school year, give them a form to fill out. So that, just to remind me of little stories that they'd like, you know, between us and again about our, our connection as teacher student or just, you know, old guy in the hallway with young person in the hallway, whatever it is, it doesn't matter to me. And so I've been starting to uh, read through them and to, to write the letters and this uh, one student of mine, uh, the things she wrote about I, I, what she learned. And I had, I had no real indication. I mean, she was a good student. She was listening, but how how deep it went for her. And, and it was the finance class. So it was a lot of life lessons I learned in that teaching that class. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things I did, I personally in 2005, I, I went bankrupt, you know, uh, personal bankruptcy, wow. you know, uh, I would say 18 years of sobriety. And I'm, like you said, I'm still spending more than I make and I want it when I want it and I don't care. And so, you know, a whole, whole list of things, but, um, you know, I share some of my personal finance stories with them, the tragedies or the, the, the sure. valleys, so to speak. I've never talked about the bankruptcy actually itself, but I said, I've made, I, you know, the dumb mistakes I'm telling you about, I've made them already. You, and, and I said, if, if I can prevent one of you from making these mistakes, I've done exactly. it. It doesn't matter. Like I have 20 kids in the class and it looks like I got to one. So I'm sure I got to more. They're just not necessarily willing to, to express it to me because that's how teenagers not that are. Age, but, but, you know, but I'm sure you did. And that, that gets their attention. And and what's funny is, uh, you know, our, our saying of, you know, we may be the only copy of a big book someone ever sees, you know. Right. Uh, you know, and I work in a religious school. So, you know, we do have um, a biblical teachings in our school. It's, it's a Judaic, it's a, a modern Orthodox school. So we have Judaic studies and, uh, but sometimes they like it better coming from a guy who doesn't have rabbi in his name because sure. it's like, well, you're not really like, they're supposed to teach that stuff. So right. and when it comes from a guy, it's like, wow, you know, you know something about God here. I said, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And, and, uh, it's just, it's, it's a great opportunity because I'm not their parent. I'm not their rabbi. I, I'm just a guy who's lived a little bit longer than you and, and hopefully you can, Again, you're going to skin your knee here and there, but don't break your ankle, okay? Please, it's <laughs> that's, well, a, that's a longer rehab. I've been around the been around the block just a few more times than you guys, yep. and if I can help you find your way around a little bit better, that's what it's all about. That's and right. That, that it's all about getting the door open, and that that that's a great icebreaker and door opener. Yeah, it has been for me, and I'm I, again, I owe that to AA. I owe that to the program, and uh, 
I'm still changing. You know, I'm, I'm not the guy I was 12 years ago, but I'm still not the guy I want to be. I sure. got, I got a waste through. That's for sure. Yeah. I like to think I'm part of their hallway. You know, when one door opens, another one closes. Well, I'm in the hallway. Okay. Cause, cause <laughs> high school, they're not done, right? They're moving on to something else. And it's like, just, I'm just here to help you decorate the hallway. Well said. Yeah. Well said. What I like to do is move into a little bit of, um, you know, steps 10, 11, and 12 and kind of, kind of where those start to work in your life. So can you, can you unpack that a little bit for us? Well, you know, I said earlier that, uh, a method, something I heard about the, the 12 steps and, uh, it kind of encapsulates the whole concept. You have to give up, which is steps one, two, and three. You have to own up, which is four, five, six, seven. You have to make up, which is eight, nine, and then you have to keep up. That's what 10, 11, and 12 are to me. A day doesn't start where I don't get on my knees. And uh, I just thank my higher power for a day. I thank him for the fact that I can get out of bed and face the day physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. And I ask him to help me live life on life's terms through acceptance and realistic expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, guide my thoughts, my words, my deeds, so that I don't bother anybody or, or say the wrong thing. And at night, we go to the 10th step, and I get on my knees, thank you for the blessings that I got today, and <clears throat> forgive me of my sins and help me be a better person tomorrow. Help me be a little bit better tomorrow than I was today. Help me find a way to do that. Uh, it talks about taking in uh, another inventory, which I try to think think through i think about the interactions i've had with people i try to think about the positive things that i've done where i have made people smile in some way shape or form that makes makes the day for me i mean if, if that's the parting shot that they get from from ed that's a good thing uh but getting on my knees to that higher power each and every day is a very very important thing for me uh at, at the start of the day and at the end of the day and uh you know, one of the things, as I said earlier, the only way you get better at anything is to practice it. And getting on my knees each and every day is a form of practice for me. It's something that I'm doing that's positive, moving me in the right direction, and doing it on a consistent, regular basis. Uh, if you throw a football, if you throw it each and every day, you get a little bit better at it. The same thing is true in AA. If you practice the principles and at least pay attention to them, reiterate them to yourself in the prayers that you have. Uh, I believe in prayer. I'm a big believer in prayer. And uh, uh, I would not want to start my day without it. And I would not want to end the day without Hmm. bringing it to a close in some way, shape or form. So those steps, uh, 10, 11 to 12, are about keeping up, keeping up with the program. Mm -hmm. It kind of presumes that you've accomplished the part of... (laughs) surrendering, giving up, owning up that you are making a mistake, that you have made up. Okay, here I am now. Let's take a look at each and every day as I go through it. What things could I have done better? What did I do well that I can continue to improve on? And uh, as I said earlier, it's, it's, it's just that, that incredible encapsulation of everything that we've heard or learned from the people that have been around us in our life. I know that's true for me. It's probably not true for every individual, but I am sure that every individual has had a priest, a rabbi, a pastor, uh, a Sunday school teacher, a coach, 
an uncle, an aunt who has told them positive things about how to be successful in life. And if you put all those things together and talked about it, it would come from this book, the big book. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. where it is. It's all put together in there and all the other readings that we have. And uh, it's just a, a great format to live your life in. Uh, it makes things a whole lot better. Uh, mm. again, it's just adjusting your sails and your rudder to each and everything that comes along. Cause the one thing you can be certain of whatever things are like right now, five minutes from now, they're going to be different mm. and you have no idea which way that's going to be going. It could be North, South, East or West or coming right back at you, but, uh, you can guarantee it's going to be different. And the way you adjust to it is the way you, you're going to find out about yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, um, there's a lot of expressions. Most of them use a lot of four letter words. So I won't go into those right now, but, uh, you know, if, if fear is one of them, you can, yeah. I, I won't go into that, but, uh, forget everything and run, forget, yep. forget everything and run yeah. or face everything and recover. Yep. And, uh, the program gives you the steps that you need to take to face everything and recover. Yeah. And it, it, I've been blessed cause it's worked for me. And, uh, I, yeah, I don't like to think about the speed bumps that are going to be put in front of me down the road, cause, but I know there will be. That, that That's life. And nobody ever said life is fair. It doesn't owe me anything. And yeah. uh, I'm blessed to be where I am at this point in my life and very thankful for it. And uh, a lot of gratitude, a lot of gratitude. Yeah, when when things start to go south, that that's one of the first things I try to do, which again, I learned from the program. Instead of blaming something, somebody, like a lot of people will blame God, they'll blame their mother, they'll blame their father. I think about all the things that I have that are benefits for me. And, uh, that that's quite a long list. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it takes me a while to make that list. So, uh, that takes me out of my, uh, my, my negative aspect and my negative feelings. So, uh, yeah, 10, 11 and 12 are important. Uh, and they're, they're the easiest steps. If you, if you follow the other nine, man, I'll tell you what, sure. that, it's like cake. Yeah. Once you've <laughs> paved the way. Yeah. It's easy. <laughs> I'd like to think for a moment about uh, either someone in the program or someone you coached or maybe uh, uh, someone you worked with that really uh, inspired some of the uh, changes in your recovery. Well, actually, I wasn't thinking about a, 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 an athlete or a coach. I was thinking about somebody in the program. Okay. Uh, he ha has been married twice. And the woman that he's married to right now has a severe problem with, with Alzheimer's hmm. and, uh, the way he has stood by her has set an incredible example for me to be a selfless individual. Hmm. I mean, he has given more of himself than I, I don't know that I could do that to be very honest with hmm. you, but to set an example, uh, of that type uh, on a constant basis. And this has been an ongoing problem and it, it doesn't get better with this particular right. disease, uh, has been a, a shining example to me of what, uh, commitment and loyalty is all about. Um, I pray that if I'm ever unfortunate enough to be in that circumstance that I can have the determination will and compassion that this individual has shown. I mean, it, it, it's mm -hmm. amazing to me what this individual has done. And I, I admire that to the nth degree. So, uh, again, as far as athletes and things, I, I have seen 
I've always had opportunities to learn because I was a self selfish person rather than a selfless person. And I, I look back now and I can see lots of little different things that uh, a lot of people have shown me and taught me. And uh, that's been a blessing. Again, they are more crystallized now because I, I think I understand a little bit better about how I'm supposed to handle these things in life. And that's what the program has shown me. But the selflessness of this individual is, is, has been a beacon to me. He is a, a, a wonderful human being to be able to do what he's doing. Very, very selfless, which is, again, as I said, the common denominator in religions are worship your God with, with all your heart and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He has sacrificed a lot of his own self, his own things, just to be the person who said, I do and I will. Yeah. <laughs> when he did. Sometimes sobriety is by subtraction rather than addition. The things we give Very up rather than things true. we get. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and as, uh, as many of the listeners know, I like to always uh, ask my guests uh, about a book other than uh, a literature. And uh, one, of the things, one of the books you gave me was uh, a book called The Red Road by Anna Hyland. Can you talk about that book and how it's helped your recovery? I will. Um, you know, I, I talked about spirituality. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things I, I read, it's something that I get on my computer. It's called Daily Ponderables. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a little blurb in there. Besides a lot of L, uh, AA literature, there's also a blurb there. Uh, and it, it covers a gamut of different religions. It covers uh, uh, Zen Buddhism. There's always a little expression there that is relative to the, the, uh, the, uh, um, the daily reflection. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also always something about Native Americans. Uh, a friend of mine in the program mentioned reading the red road. Okay. Uh, the red road is a concept that the native Americans, uh, utilize to live an AA type life. They are incredibly spiritual people. Mm -hmm. Uh, this particular book, uh, by Anna Hyland, there are a couple books called the red road. This one I recommend because it takes you through the life of a young Indian boy. And, uh, there are all types of anecdotes that show the spirituality within mm-hmm. the families of the, of the native Americans. They are an incredibly spiritual people. They, they got a really raw deal when, when Columbus came over, I got to yeah. tell you what, yeah. we really, we, they got a raw deal in the whole situation. And I was never really aware of this until I got into the program and started reading some of these things, but I have read that book and, uh, the parallels to the things that they do, that they believe, that they focus on within their family, within their their culture, uh, are shining examples of what we should be doing in AA. Mm-hmm. And it's just a reinforcement for me. You know, as I say, I'm, I'm not the sharpest stack in the box, so I need these things reinforced in my mind constantly. You know, along with you are the problem, uh, like you're looking at the problem. Uh, I need to hear these positive things, which is why I go to as many meetings as I do each week. So it, it's a book I, I, I strongly recommend that uh, if, if you want to find out about what true spirituality within a family is all about and uh, uh, how, how they stick to it. I mean, they, they do all the things that we talk about in our 12 steps. And uh, it, 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 it's an interesting reading because uh, it follows this young Indian who is very athletic. He's called, his name is runs with the wind. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because he he can run like the wind, <laughs> okay. uh, uh, and uh, it just follows him from a uh, an Indian boy right up to uh, one of the warriors of the, of of the tribe, and it it, it occurs right at the time when. Uh, the white man started coming across the uh, the Rocky Mountains. It's 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 historical as well as uh, uh, um, a spiritual kind mm-hmm. of a book. But I, I got a great deal out of that. I I, I read those things each and every day because they're just great uh, reminders of, of where I should be and what I should be doing. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. So the, you said the Daily Ponderable. So I'll just mention that for folks listening. I'll I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um. So, uh, so we're kind of kind of coming to the end here, and uh, you've you've just expressed so many uh, great things. You know, I love all little bumper stickers, and you know, talk about the lizard brain and all that. And I uh, just want to <laughs> know: is there is there anything else that uh, you wanted to express that maybe I didn't ask or uh, left out? Or um, you know, I'll, I'll say this: there's a guy out there maybe listening, and he's 62, and he's about to get, to get divorced, and his kids don't maybe talk to him, and you know. He's not sure, you know, which hand to slap his ass with. What do you tell this guy? <laughs> well, <laughs> several things. Uh, first and foremost, try to reconcile if you can, but there is life after divorce. Uh, but what I would say to anybody, not only 62, but especially younger, don't wait to get involved and started mm-hmm. in the program. And it is unfortunate to me that there's a stigma attached to people in our program. And, uh, I am not ashamed of the fact that I'm in it and I'm not really worried about the anonymity that much, uh, cause I'm kind of proud of what I've accomplished in the program. And today is like a shining example for me to, to be able to espouse my opinions about this program. And as I said, if I help one individual out there, it's been a great day for me, but, uh, my biggest advice would be to uh, just don't wait to get started and stay involved in the steps in the program. And once you're in it, stay in it. Don't drift because <laughs> meeting makers make it. If you keep going to meetings and doing the readings and interacting with people in a positive way, you're going to have a better life. So in a nutshell, that's probably what I would say. Yeah, thank you very much. I, uh... I think that's a good place to stop. And I again want to thank you for opening up to us and, and joining me this afternoon. And uh, this has been a great experience for me. Great, you know, great getting to know you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure, Howard. I'm glad I had the opportunity to, uh, to interact with you. We have come to the end of this episode of the Seasons of Sobriety podcast. I trust that you were able to identify with the personal story of our guest and perhaps apply some of their experience to give you the hope needed to persevere through your own journey. If you'd like to contact the show, please send an email to podcast at seasonsofsobriety.com. The email address can be found in the show notes. This podcast has been completely self-funded. If you believe today's episode has been beneficial, I ask that you either contribute a little extra this week to your home group or another organization close to your heart. Until next time, Remember, if you have trouble practicing the principles of the steps in all your affairs, you may have too many affairs.